You're listening to the Mini Market Podcast presented by Tellum Sports. Hello and welcome to episode one, the Mini Market Podcast. I am Dalton here with my three friends and fellow co-founders of Tellum Sports. We are really excited to get this thing underway. We started Tellum Sports because the four of us were unsatisfied with the existing media coverage of Minnesota sports, and we thought, we can't be the only four people out there unsatisfied. There are Minnesota sports fans everywhere suffering from a lack of coverage. Why not do something about it? Why not us? So you can check out our content on tellumsports.com, or you can come back here every week and listen to the Mini Market Podcast. We are recording episode one on January 2nd, so we thought, why not look back at 2020, the year that wasn't and discuss our favorite Minnesota sports memories from 2020. So let's get this thing started. Ike, what was your favorite sports memory of last year? Uh, you know, thanks, Dalt. Really excited to be here with you fellas and talking some sports, talking Minnesota sports. I got to say for me, and this actually kind of feels like it's a repeat. feels like this happens once every couple of years for me. But my favorite moment of 2020 for sports was the announcement of the lottery pick that the wolves uh, miraculously moved up to get number one this year first time in franchise history uh it's just an exciting moment because it is something to look forward to it's a lot of excitement it started that you know we're on the clock right away i thought that was a ton of fun because it was like the wolves are going to get a little shine right now in the national spotlight they have to talk about us we can't be ignored because we're the number one pick there is part of me who's like i don't know it's a little bit classic the year that the wolves move up is the year that there's no clear number one and it's like it was the most minnesota number one pick that there's ever been of like there's not a clear-cut guy like who knows these three guys might be okay and wiseman and edwards and ball but yeah it was classic minnesota yeah and then it's are they going to go for fit are they going to go for flash are they going to go for twin towers like what is the what's the look i know lou you really were excited about the possibility of a twin tower combo with wiseman and towns but alas it didn't happen. I'm okay with what we got now. So, Ant Man, baby, a one since day one. Biggest thing though that excited me for sure about the lottery pick. I love just being able to say the Wolves are on the clock. Whoever's on the clock, whoever it's a Minnesota team, anything. That's my favorite thing about the draft is this team is already on the clock. So now we've got another season of hope for the Wolves. You know, results haven't been there, but give us hope. That's something to go on. Always something to look forward to, and you know. For me, favorite part was just, I love when you get to see guys in suits high-fiving. It's just, there's something funny about it to me. <laughs> a bunch of guys in suits high-fiving. Like, I feel like there was more crying this year in the draft than past years. I feel like, I don't know, was it because they were like at home and everyone's getting a little touchy-feely with their family? I felt like, because we, we were talking about it during the draft, and we hit the like 10 range, and then from there on, everyone was crying. Every guy, and that's... That's also funny when you see the big like 6'10 dudes just breaking down in the interviews. I think yeah. that brings up an interesting question of like, when is it, when it, when the cutoff? When can you not cry anymore in a draft? Like, when do you feel like? I think it's personally, I think it's any guy has his own different story. So he could be literally the last pick in the draft and he's not expected. No one wants him to be the draft pick when then, you know, you're already number one and you have so much pressure on you but you're just so happy and you're overcome with emotion there are just so many different experiences i feel like yeah i was kind of thinking about this i i thought one through three it's like a good crying spot because you're like wow i'm like one of the top guys and then i thought like any second rounder 
because I feel like those are the people who are usually like, I don't know if I'm going to get drafted. And I think college has that new rule where, like, you can declare for the draft and go back if you don't get drafted. Like, they just started it this year. And so, to me, I think a lot of those guys are, like, unsure if they're getting drafted. They're like, I might as well throw my name in, in the hat and see what happens. And so, I think second-rounders, it's almost cooler when – maybe not cooler, but it's, like, more special when they cry. As versus, like, the 23rd overall pick where it's like you're probably going to get drafted. You just don't really know when. Right, and then those like middle first round guys might be expecting to go higher, and they might actually be pissed at their draft, you know, 15, 16 rather than eight or nine or something. I'm never going to get mad at a guy for crying, that, right? Because, like, you guys know me. I, I'm a bit of a crier. <laughs> God's uh, plan. God's plan video took me down. But I think there's like this gap for me of like, number one pick, if it's a normal year, you can't cry. Everybody knows you're the number one pick, you've already dealt with it. Don't be surprised. Act like you've been there. And then I agree like that, two through four, like, yeah, go ahead. Like, you probably moved up or around somewhere in that point. And then I think that the restart happens before the second round. I think it's those late first rounders. I think they can start to cry a little bit too because they're really, really excited at that point because it's like... It's because you get that guaranteed first round money. (laughs) 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 Um, One thing that I was going to add too, do you think that this year being a virtual draft like with more people at home do you think that'll encourage more people to do that in the future like just stay home and zoom in like they did this year or do you think like the experience in do they do it in new york or is that does it rotate i I think it's in new york every year yeah Yeah. do you think the experience there is like so cool that people want to keep doing that or do you think this year seeing how you can do it from home and like be around all your family because i would assume with the draft I haven't been drafted yet, but I'm really hoping next year's my year. But um, I would assume you'd only get, like, so many people to go with you. So I think a big draft party would be sweet, like, at your own place. Or I remember J.J. Watt was, like, fishing in, like, Florida, off the coast of Florida when he got drafted. I'm like, that's baller. <laughs> like, that'd be dope. I think if I was going, like, top five, I'd want to be there. But I'd have to be certain because – the thing about being at the draft, you don't want to be that guy that's sitting in the room until like pick 20, 23, 25. If you get to the second round, like that's just miserable. So if I were like a top 10 lock, I think I'd want to be there. But then otherwise, I think the, the at-home party with like your family and friends and stuff, that'd be pretty sweet. I don't think the narrative changes for me. I think I'm with you, Dalt. Like if, if you know you're going to go early, you want to be there because it's like you get to wear that baller suit and like really flex a little bit. But if you aren't positive, you definitely don't want to be that guy. And, like, I think for the most part, that's kind of how it goes anyways. Like, there's not a lot of guys who are late-round picks who are actually at the draft in a normal year. And I think that'll just probably continue. And no one's going to question you whether you're the first pick or the last pick on wanting to spend it with your friends and family at home. Like, you just, you always have an out there. So, Connor, number two, what was your favorite sports moment of 2020? So my favorite sports moment of 2020 is a little bit of a gray area because the game occurred in 2020. It's the Vikings OT win over the Saints in the wild card round. It's technically the 2019 season, I think, but it was played in January 2020. Um, we'll allow it. Yeah, we'll allow it, hopefully. So, I mean, this was I thought this was just such a fun game, um, up and down roller coaster game. I know... Lucas has a has an article that kind of mentions it on the Tellum Sports website in one of his blogs, talking about the Vikings Saints rivalry. But I think any Vikings fan just really enjoys beating the Saints after everything that we've been through with them. And so to do it in overtime, 
And to have a little bit of gray area with it where some people say, is there a push-off? Isn't there a push-off with Kyle Rudolph? I mean, I'm not here to decide, but there wasn't. Um, and so it's just fun to, to beat the Saints in such a dramatic fashion, too. And then, like, Thielen's catch to get him down to the three-yard line was so sweet. And him being a Minnesota guy, you know, one of us people from Minnesota really love that. And I'm, I'm one of those people that enjoy it, so... I hate the Saints so much. <laughs> I don't know why. Like, I think I hate them more than the Packers at this point. Like, just everything that we've gone through since 2009 with the Saints. And I don't like Sean Payton either. They're just so unlikable that any time they lose, and especially when they think they were wronged, like in the playoff game or back when they lost to the Rams on that brutal no call on the pass interference, it's just so much fun. I love just watching Sean Payton's arms go up in the air and like he just goes, here we go again. We're getting screwed over again, but join the party, buddy. It's happened to everybody. Do you guys think that the 2019 playoff was like even comparable to the Minneapolis Miracle just because of like going on the road and doing it versus being at home and all that kind of, we beat the Saints in both, but which one like, is it not even close? Like the Minneapolis Miracle is way better. Yeah, I just think the shock factor and, like, the the Minneapolis miracle was so memorable. Like, that's going to live on in Minnesota sports lore forever. And I don't really see the, the Rudolph touchdown doing that, even though it was fun. Yeah, I remember the Rudolph one, you know, we're, we're in the game, we're in overtime, we're on the goal line, and we're just anticipating something great to happen. And with the Minneapolis miracle, I remember I was slunched over in the chair, just pissed off ready for this game to be over another year i'm ready to throw my jersey in the bottom of the hamper and then this miracle comes out of nowhere (laughs) Uh, yeah i agree i mean minneapolis miracle all the way for me but i think it's from a slightly different reason it's i think i think that team with the minneapolis miracle was way better and i think the expectations of what they could do were a lot higher like i think we all thought there's a super bowl possibility and it was like we're starting to get that national conversation of like no team has ever been the host city and played in that. Vikings seem like they could be that team. And so we had these much, much higher expectations versus 2019. It was kind of like, we know we're not as good. And or at least that's how I felt. I was like, I don't think this team is as good as polished. Um, the defense isn't as good as it was. And so I, I was like, even if we win this game, I don't foresee us going a lot farther in the playoffs. So I think that's why the Minneapolis miracle for me was so much more exciting. Um, and it's that same thing with Lewis. Like I was sitting in this position uh, near my TV where I couldn't actually fully see it because I couldn't take losing to the Saints. I was sitting like at this angle where I was right at the side and I had my head in my hand and I was like about to start crying. Like I was on the verge of tears and then it was like the best feeling. Ran outside like, I, yeah, I, you can't top that. Yeah, I think the visual too of... Uh... And I think he denied it, but Sean Payton doing like the school chant. I think he denied it. He did it. it. I've seen it, yeah. He was doing like the overhead clap. And maybe that's a play they instituted, but I doubt it because it was like, as you know, there was like a minute left or something. So Sean Payton did that? Yeah. Yeah, You 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 got to look this up. Oh, he's, yeah, he's taunting the crowd. At least it looks like in my memory it does. And then, yeah. He was doing it sarcastically because he felt like they got screwed. Mocking. Yeah. Because I think there was. I don't remember when the drive started, but I want to say like 40, 45 seconds with like no timeouts or one timeout. Fact check me on that, people. But 
But then when they scored their touchdown to go up, he was doing like the school chant, and I remember being like, "Oh, that stings," because like the game's okay. over. Yeah, and pretty much when I'm all like, hope oh, is lost. I would, honestly, as a guy who would love to like rub it in and brag, I'm like, "That's a funny move, but it hurts." Yeah. So that also made me happy that about that one. I definitely would choose the Minneapolis Miracle too. But. Sean Payton, if you're listening to this, up yours. <laughs> <laughs> I think that like getting taunted by your own chant, like we're that's new to us, but it's not new to sports, right? Like the Gators are probably the team that knows it the worst oh, yeah. because it's so cool to do. Like the Gator Chomp is an undefeated celebration. It looks so great. FSU, yeah, with yeah. their that's so great. But it's equally as great to do it back to that team. And the skull chant is amazing, and I think that means we're going to get it thrown in our faces more than once. Like, that was probably the first time. Definitely won't be the last time. And we just got to weigh whether or not we think that it's worth it. And I do. Like I love it. It's electrifying. Just seeing it on TV, it feels like you're there. You know, we all do it in the living room. Everyone who's listening, I know you do it in the living room, too. Big got the gala horn going. Nothing better to start the game in the fourth quarter. So, Lou, I think you had a, had a Vikings-related favorite sports moment too right yep yep uh i had to go with the uh the comeback win in week 12 this season uh versus the carolina panthers um just as kind of a refresher uh kirk cousins led a 75 yard drive with uh just under two minutes left um you know usually the vikings somehow go three and out or turn the ball over in that situation and it was just really awesome to see them actually come back and win in that fashion when it's usually happens, like I said, with a three and out or a turnover pretty quickly, or I feel like even more so in my memory that the other team is the one just driving down the field to, to get this last second field goal or touchdown to, to win the game and just, just stomp on our hearts right all, all over again. So really cool. I thought to just, especially after, if you guys remember that game was just riddled with mistakes and it was Chad Beebe muffed the punt. Uh, a couple possessions earlier and then he comes back and catches the game-winning touchdown for I think it might have been his first touchdown of his career so pretty cool moment Uh, always happy to see a Vikes win a great game but such a sad favorite 2020 sports memory (laughs) a week 12 matchup against the Carolina Panthers is your favorite sports memory (laughs) I think that kind of illustrates where we're at yeah right it's Great year to start our podcast is like one of the slowest years in in recap. <laughs> but yeah, I agree. I thought that game was really fun. As a, as a as a Kirk Cousins guy, I'll just put it out there. I'm a pro Kirk Cousins guy. My Twitter bio even says so. If you don't believe me, so um, yeah, I was excited to see that uh, Kirk was able to drive down drive down the field and uh, and get the get the win for the Vikes, even though now it kind of seems seems pointless. Yeah, and at the point in the season when it happened, like there's still a possibility we sneak into the playoffs, and you know there's that anything can happen when you get to the playoffs, right? Like, so you, I mean that's always the goal is get there, and then you can you can build from there. So it isn't as sad as it feels now yeah. looking back at it because at the time it was a significant game in the season. Yeah, my favorite sports memory is kind of like that, like a, a meaningless middle of the season game. But uh, for the Twins, my favorite memory was the near no hitter that Kenta Maeda threw. Uh, it was in on August 18th. He was keeping the Brewers hitless through eight innings, and then he gave up a single in the ninth, which then got him pulled. And then Taylor Rogers blew the game so badly that Maeda ended up giving up a run and getting a no decision in the game. 
And so Kenta, you have to feel sorry for him. 2020 went bad for a lot of people. But for Kenta Maeda, it was the worst year of his life. Like, he signed one of the most team-friendly contracts in the MLB to stay with the Dodgers because he wanted to pitch in L.A. for his entire career. And then the Dodgers quickly shipped him out to Minnesota, where he then had to watch the Dodgers win a World Series without him. And on top of that, he had his almost his first no-hitter blown to the point where he had a no decision. And then afterwards, he was quoted saying that he hopes that someday he would get the chance to tip his cap to a, a stadium, giving him a standing ovation because that's never happened in his life. So just a, a heartbreaking year for Kenta Maeda. And, you know, it was just an electric performance. I mean, he had an amazing season, so you can't feel too bad for him. But all in all, tough year for Kenta. And, uh, yeah, tough game for him, but still electric performance. Yeah, I think the thing for me about that no-hitter, um, just the way it happened to that little flare over the second base where it looked like Polanco had a play on it, but he just didn't have the right footing or something. And then immediately I was like, all right, let's still get him the win. Cause I think it was his highest pitch total ever. Yeah. I think he threw like almost 120 pitches, which especially this season where that was still relatively early in the year that it was a big deal to keep him in. I remember the announcers would not stop talking about, okay, he's at 110, he's at 113 now. And, and then yeah, Taylor Rogers just comes in and it's, it was just like clockwork. He just they're just walking around the bases, and it's like I've seen this story happen over and over and over again. And then he just I, I, the image is still sticking in my mind. He comes back to the dugout and kind of just taps my head on the shoulder. He's like, "Oh my bad." Like, <laughs> just heartbreaking for Kenta. You gotta feel for him. I went to bed mad that night. <laughs> yeah, that's tough. Um, okay, well let's move on now. We're gonna look ahead. At 2021, the year of hope, maybe the year of the championship for Minnesota sports. Who knows? Maybe this is our year. But with some quick 2021 over-unders, guys, let's get this thing going. First one, one and a half playoff teams out of the four major sports in the coming year. Ike, what do you have? I feel bad about this one, but I'm definitely going under. Yeah, no chance we get two. I'm going under. Oh, sorry. Over. Over. I think we get two. Which two? Do you care to say? I think it is going to be the Twins and the Vikings. Yeah, I, uh, I gotta be, I'm with Ike on this one. I think we're going to go under. Uh, my heart really wants over, but I think realistically it's, uh, it's an under situation. Who's your team? I think the, the Twins. I think the Twins, yeah, we'll get to that later, but I think the Twins will, will make the playoffs. I think I'm going over. I think I feel confident in the Twins to make it. And then the Vikings and maybe the Wild, I think between those two could potentially squeak in. The Wild, I mean, a lot of unknowns this year, but I think one of those two teams will make the playoffs. So I'm going over with two teams. And I think that shortened season can help the Wild. Like I think we've, we saw it in the NBA. We saw it in baseball. Like you see some teams that you don't traditionally see or think would be as good going into the season like perform really well for a stretch and that stretch is more significant in a shortened season than it is so yeah the wild could have a chance yeah they're gonna have some young guys who could potentially like electrify the team and yeah shorter season so just takes a hot stretch yeah yeah i think i think like you hit it on the head kind of looking at like the twin season last year if you can get hot i mean a 10 game stretch is huge in in the nhl or in the nba they both played two normally i mean it's big there but in a 50, I think, six-game season, I mean, 10 games is huge. That's almost 20%. So 
I, I, I do agree that if they get hot at the right time, there's a chance for the Wild. But that could totally work against him, too, when you say, I mean, you got a lot of young guys still trying to work out what it means to play in the league. And, like, if you, you don't have as much time for growing pains if you're, if you're trying to make the playoffs. Like, 10 games, again, is really, really big. And if they're going the wrong way, it, it can be tough. And a limited preseason to boot. Uh, all sports this year, we're dealing with that same thing. But it just, it typically benefits older teams rather than younger teams. All right, over under number two. 0. 0.5. Coaching changes. We'll start with Lou. I'm gonna go under. Um, I do think the uh, the Vikings might be a little bit. Uh, I think theirs is the most prevalent right now. Um, personally, I think if Zim loses tomorrow to the the Lions, I think he's gone. So, but I think we're gonna win, and I think all the coaches are gonna stay in place for the next year. Um, I struggled with this one a little bit. I think I'm gonna go over. I think the Vikings, there's definitely a possibility there of, uh, of some changes at the helm. Um, I think the Wild, there might be an opportunity, or not an opportunity, but a chance that there's a firing. Um, last year, we had a midseason firing of Thibodeau, and then Everson took over. So I could see if things don't go well this year of getting rid of him and having um, Bill Guerin kind of bringing his own guy, the guy that he like really thinks can lead going forward and it's kind of a weird year for the wild where they have a lot of young guys and then they have this like old core that's like making a decent amount of money and then there's kind of just some players in between that they really need to take off so like if things don't work out this year i think it'd be an easy time to transition from uh Evenson and um find a new coach or coach for the future if, if that's what bill Guerin's interested in i think i'm going over as well uh the wild like you said questionable the Wolves, I think, could potentially move on, move on from Saunders if the season goes pear-shaped. And Zim has been on the hot seat, too. So with three coaches potentially on the way out, I think at least one of them ends up out the door by the end of 2021. Yeah, you never change your coach when you're doing well. So the fact that there are three potential candidates is a little bit unfortunate. So next, we'll go to a player-specific over-under. 223 strikeouts for Miguel Sano. 223 is the single season record for a position player. And last season, Sano was on a pace to strike out more than 223 times. So, uh, Connor, do you think he, Sano will strike out more or less than 223 times this season? I am optimistically going under. I, uh, I think that there probably will be a player in the MLB this year that breaks it. Just like every year that we continue to see teams buy into the analytics and the, the long ball and the and like not worrying about strikeouts, like getting on base, hitting bombs. I think that, um, you know, we're, we're creeping in to continuously set it. I don't know when the previous record was set, but... It's a couple of years ago, yeah, recently. So, so, but I, I'm optimistically going to say Sano will probably be about 200, which would be great season for him is, is the way he's looking, so... <laughs> Yeah, I think I'm going under as well. Um, you, you have a potential out here of an injury with Sano. I mean, so maybe not performance-related, more just he's not on the field. No, I think I think the last season was a tough one for him. He's really streaky, and in the shortened season, I mean, he ended the season hitting terribly. Um, so I think, you know, in a regular season, he straightens that out, and then he puts together one of those two- or three-week stretches where he looks like the best hitter in baseball. Um, so injury or not, I think he – I think the strikeouts record – does not go to Miguel Sano this season. I'm going over, but not necessarily a bad thing. 
I think it's going to him, but I also think he's going to have a good year. Like, I think it's that combination of what you're seeing in modern baseball where, like, he's going to hit a bunch of bombs, but he's going to strike out a lot, and he's going to be really annoying, kind of. I'm going under, but I think it's going to be pretty tight. A lot of unders, but not a lot of confidence in Mikelsono there. Um, all right, next, a Pups one. So 25 and a half points. Uh, most points Anthony Edwards scores in a game during his rookie year. So do you think he'll have a 30-point game in his rookie season? I'll start. I think I don't think he will. Um, I think they're going to keep him coming off the bench all season. Um, I think he's going to have a lot of games where he, he puts up mid-20s, but I don't think he's going to get the number of shots that he needs to put up 30. I think he'll make himself get the number of shots that he needs. Like, that dude loves to shoot. He, You can tell already. Like, that's his favorite thing to do on the basketball court is shoot, and I think he's lightning in a bottle, and I think he'll hit it at least once this year, and I think he'll get above 30. I think he's going to have one of those games where, like, He's not afraid to shoot from anywhere on the court. So if he's hot, he's just going to keep rolling. I'm a big believer in Ant-Man, but I, I just I don't think he's going to get it. I think he's going to do it at least once. Um, you know, whether it's the season's going well, that means the guys are gelling. They're going to be creating shots for each other. Otherwise, if the season isn't going well, they're probably going to want to try to get him as much experience as possible, and he's going to want to try to be the leader that, it, that should come with the number one overall pick. So I think, yeah, I think – at least once he's going to find a way to get 30, whether the team's doing well or bad. Yeah, I agree with that. I think I think he's going to get it at least once. I think one thing they're talking a lot about with the Wolves is uh, they're trying to figure this out. Like, they've kind of been on a little skid. Losing to the Wizards was not great. But um, within this little skid, I think they're asking a lot of questions. They're going to try to figure things out. And I think they might give a shot where, hey, like let's, let's let the number one pick kind of like go do his thing, get up a bunch of shots, and see how it works out. And or, or, you know, try to create plays, um, make him more of a part of the offense. And uh, I also think that injuries could potentially benefit him, not, uh, not from a team standpoint, but just getting more minutes potentially. So I think there'll be one game in the, in the mix where he gets like 32 points or something. I like how you just said lose to the Wizards, not fully admitting like how bad it truly yeah, was. Yeah, <laughs> getting 20 balled by the 0-5 Wizards sans their best player. Like <laughs> On a back-to-back for the Wizards, yeah. which is always what you want. No, but we'll just keep, keep with the gloss over. Yeah. We just lost. Lose a nail-biter. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here we go. Four and a half, number of listeners to our first podcast. <laughs> Mom, Dad, love ya. Taking the over. Oh, yeah, is this the first week? Is this all time? Because I really think we got to reevaluate our lives if we don't get more than four and a half in our lifetime for this baby. We'll go first week. Four and a half in the first week. I'm smashing the over. I think this thing's going to catch on like wildfire. That a baby. And I think, I think if nothing else... People are going to stumble into it by accident and give it a couple minutes listen. So hopefully this is the couple minutes of listening they're doing. Let's go. Overs all around. All right. <laughs> Optimistic. Love it. All right, here's a wild one. Combined wins for the major four sports teams. 168. So the Twins are going to probably play a full 162. Vikes 16. And then we have shortened seasons for the Wolves and the Wild. It's just some mental gymnastics here. Uh, Let me get my abacus out real quick. Good lord. Yeah, so here's, here's how I'm breaking it down. And it doesn't have to play out this way, but I am going to take the under. The way I was kind of looking at it was 100 wins for the Twins, 10 for the Vikings, 110, 30 for the Timberwolves, 140, 
and 28 for the wild would put us at 168. So that would be like the wild going 28 is half of 56. The wolves being slightly under 12 games under 500. Um, the Vikings being 10 and six again. So yeah, I, I'm going to go under. I don't think we're going to get there. I see the twins winning, uh, you know, in the nineties, maybe the, the high eighties games. I don't see the Vikings winning 10 games next year. Timberwolves, uh, it's a, if they can figure it out, that would be great, but it's off to a kind of a slower start here. So I'm going to go under on 168. I think I'm going to go under because I don't know if I can count that quickly <laughs> with the different teams. Yeah, I mean, I think I think the Twins are going to have a good season, but I don't necessarily see them winning 100 games unless they make a big free agent splash here. The Wolves, they're having a tough season. I think it's going to be a rebuild. Everyone knows that. Uh, the Wilder, question mark. And the Vikes, I mean, even in a good season, the Vikes only account for you know, 10, 12 wins out of that 168. So I'm going to stick with the under as well. Uh, I do, th like I said, though, I think there could be a couple playoff teams in that mix, but collectively, that's a lot of wins. Yeah, I think Vegas needs to recalibrate. Check the spreadsheet on this one. I think it's a little too high for the over-under. I think I got to go under too, because like, uh, again, Twins, I see them somewhere in the upper 80s, maybe. Um, Vikings, like you said, like I don't, I don't see us winning 12. I see nine possibly as a realistic number for them and then can we get 50 combined wins from the wolves and wild and even then that still puts us well under so yeah i gotta go under for sure under gotta go under same thing i think the twins are probably um you know i am optimistic about them, but i think 80 to to maybe low 90s is probably the highest i want to want to want to go for them Vikings, it seems like we're all on the same exact page here. 10 to 12 at the absolute most. I can't even remember when last time if they had a 14-win season or anything like that in the last however many years. But um, Wolves, I think there's still a lot that needs to happen, a lot of growth and things that just need to start gelling a little better before I'm really confident in them putting up big win totals. Um, and then kind of like you said, Dalt, the Wild are pretty – a question mark now with and especially with the shortened games or the shortened season um i think if you just have one bad skid that can really really hurt your chances and and kind of slide for a while all right we'll go with the wolves next uh half an all-star for the wolves so do you think the wolves are going to have an all-star this season okay so this this one i pose because the nba has this sort of like brotherhood of all-stars so it doesn't necessarily matter if you're good after a certain point if you've made enough all-star games you can be having an absolute shit season and still be considered an all-star um, and my basically my question is is cat in that circle yet where if and he's already been injured now here to start the season and he's going to be out for a few more games at least so um, and then he'll be partially sharing the load a little bit more with like a deloading in terms of scoring so he might not have the exact same numbers as he's had in the year past do we think he's in that brotherhood of all-stars? And I'd say no, not yet. So I don't think he'll make it. And so then I don't think anybody, and I'm not counting uh, Edwards if he makes like the rising stars game. Like that's not an all-star necessarily. I think, I think I'm kind of on the same page as you with, with Kat. He's obviously a very talented player. He's pretty much who the offense should run through, through the team. And like you said, the injury is probably the biggest thing. If he didn't get injured and it's going to miss the stretch games, I think I would put him on the other side. Um, but again, now with, with Ant-Man and we have D'Lo on the team as well, there's just too many big options, I think, for him to really get this, the standout numbers that he needs to, to be on that team. 
Yeah, I'm gonna agree. I think I think Andre. I just I think like you hit it on the head where there's like this fraternity of guys that are in there, and I think he's just yeah. He, I don't know if he's put together the full seasons. You know, I think you need a couple of years to be like a top player to get into that fraternity where it's like, oh, we're gonna write him in because he's he's one of the guys. I don't think he's there yet, and uh, I don't think I don't think a shortened season benefits him in getting there. So. I'm taking the over, baby. I think uh, D'Angelo Russell is going to make it. Because I think, here's the thing, Cat's going to be out for a while with an injury. And I believe in Ryan Saunders' ability to tailor the offense to D'Angelo Russell's liking. Uh, right now, they're trying to do a lot of, like, get him really going downhill fast. And I think him acting in the pick and roll, he's a lot more effective. That's what he did in Brooklyn when he was the all-star there. I think they're going to sort of tailor the offense around him because they have enough talent on this team where they can be competitive. Um, so if things are starting to go south, I think Saunders will change it up and make it work. Um, so I think Russell's going to put up some big numbers, and I think he will sneak in as one of the last All-Stars in the West. Because keep in mind, there are a lot of the big names that are going to be resting a lot this year too. So there, there's a potential that some of those lower-end guys in that fraternity are putting up such poor numbers because they're not playing very often that they get left out this season. Does Beasley have a chance? Like he's there probably right now our most prolific scorer like it just comes the most naturally to him it seems like see I don't think so because he's not going to get in on the fan vote and I think behind the curtain the NBA is not going to want to promote a guy with drug charges you know gun charges things like that they're not going to want him as one of the faces of their league at all-star weekend um, even though there is no all-star weekend this year so I don't think Beasley sneaks in even if he does play really well I think he'll have our best number I think he'll have the most all-star worthy numbers Guy's a gamer, so I, I wouldn't I wouldn't doubt it. Um, all right, last one. So real wild card here. 12.5 goals scored by Kirill Kaprasov this year. Um, so 12.5 is on pace, what would be on pace for the rookie record for goals. Marion Gabrick set that in 2000-2001 when he scored 18. So in the shortened season, 12 goals would be the same as scoring 18 in a full season. So do we think Kirill Kaprasov will be on record pace for goals for a rookie this season? Um, yeah, I'll, I'll start on this one. I think, and I, I wrote a little bit about it in my take five piece on uh, tellthesports.com, but I, I think I'm going to do the, uh, the under on this. I think he's going to be close, but I think there'll be a little transition period from coming over from the KHL into the NHL. I think the KHL is a really good league, but I, there's nothing quite like the NHL. So I got to think that There'll be a little transition period, and that might take, you know, 10 to ten to 15 games, and you're already missing out on 40% of the season or 20% of the season there. So I think that's going to impact him quite a bit. So I'm going to take the uh, the under, but I think it's going to be close. I got him as a lock. He's over for sure. Dude's a stud. I think it's a guaranteed. You could take it to the bank today. I mean, he's um, a highlight reel waiting to happen. Like, if you've seen any of the highlights from him playing in the KHL, He's got some awesome goals, and I think the goal scoring ability is there. I just, it's interesting. It'll be interesting to see how they match the lines up. Is he going to be on line with like Kevin Fiala, or you know, what are they going to do there to get him the most chance? They're going to spread the wealth or kind of keep them together. But um, yeah, I think he's an electric factory. But it's just a matter of. Do you trust the team as a whole? Like, do you trust the Wilds' offense create, as a whole to yeah. create those chances that he can definitely capitalize on mm-hmm. if they come? I'm 
I'm towing the line here because, I mean, you look at it, 12 goals in 56 games. You feel like that's just not that many goals overall. But I think, you know what? I'm going over. It's always fun to hit the over. Let's go. Yep. (laughs) Gut check. Here we go. Love it. I'm taking the over, too. Um, I don't really know how the KHL translates to the NHL just because the Wild haven't had a lot of those guys in in our lifetime. Um, But I think they'll put them in a situation – to put up points and score some goals. So I'll take the over. Let's go wild. If All it's right. any um if it's any indication in the Alexander Ovechkin's first year in the league, he scored fifty-two goals. So Smash the over, baby. Oh, oh, that, that may point signs in the direction of hitting the over, but that wasn't eighty one games, but so if he's anything like Ovechkin, uh, we're gonna be pretty excited about him in the next fifteen to twenty years. So I love it. All right, to round out the show, let's do some other 2021 predictions. Uh, we've got a list of a couple things that we we think are going to happen in the upcoming calendar year. So uh, let's go around the table, see what we have what we have cooking for 2021. Ike, what do you have for us? Uh, I think this one's going to be a little bit unpopular, but uh, I think the Twins are going to miss the playoffs. Boo. Um, I am personally not a fan of the style of baseball that they play. I don't love the Bomba squad. I think that we've seen in the playoffs, it has this ability to dry up really quickly. Um, obviously, they've had really good regular seasons, but I think there's a little bit more of a toss-up in terms of the lineup this year. Um, there's some guys that they're looking to try to replace. But I also think that their pitching staff uh, this year, is it's a big worry for me. Like I think that some of the arms, like they lost Trevor May in the offseason, I think he was more important than they realized. Um and the starting rotation has not rounded out yet. You, you never really know exactly what you're going to get from Barrios in the second half of a full season if they end up playing a 162-game season. And is Pineda going to be as good as he was before he came back or before he left? Um, so, yeah, I think the Twins are going to miss the playoffs. I think it's, I think it's tough because there's still a lot of uh, meat left on the bone for, uh, for, the, for the free agency. So I think... If the twins can address some needs, that will help. But I know, um, I know. If you have any questions about uh, who the twins might be targeting or who's out there, uh, Dalton has a nice piece on tellemsports.com. Tellemsports.com. That's tellemsports.com. Yeah, I wrote a little bit about this. Uh, like Ike was saying, the depth is a real question mark right now, especially in the pitching staff. I think they do have three solid rotation pieces, especially with Maeda and Barrios or Brios. Um, I think. Those are two guys you can really build around. Um, but the bottom of the rotation is really non-existent. So I believe in Falvey and Levine. I think they're going to find some pieces in free agency. There are a lot of arms still out there. So I would disagree that with your take that they're going to miss the playoffs. But, uh, yeah, there are definitely some question marks that are are lingering. And I also don't know, I guess, if Maeda is as surefire as he was. Last. Like it, well, that, that year was a spectacular year for him. He's always been consistent, but he hasn't been that good. And so I think for us to try to like bank on him being just as good this next year, I think is a little bit unrealistic. That's fair. Yeah, I think he's more of a maybe a middle of the rotation guy over the course of a full season. Maybe they did unlock something when last season when they had him throw his off speed stuff a little more. But yeah, to to bank on a guy being a top two in the Cy Young, that's that's not a winning formula. Lou, what do you have for us? Uh, I got a Twins take as well. I'm going completely opposite. I think the Twins make the playoffs. Um, unlike last year, though, it's going to be as a wild card rather than uh, the AL Central champ. I think the White Sox are just really have some young guns, and they're going to start putting it together. And, you know, the last few years, Cleveland has always been 
um, a pretty pretty solid team, if not a very good team at times. So uh, I think it's going to be close, and I think we're going to have to eke out a wild card spot with either Cleveland or, or Chicago. Um, but, yeah, I think uh, the Twins make the playoffs as a wild card. Um, I do – I do like the way Rocco kind of manages the team. It feels like some of his guys he gets the best out of. Um, Nelson Cruz is, is really the guy that comes to mind for that. It's pretty amazing how he's still doing what he's been do, been able to do. Um, but then there is that big question mark with like Miguel Sano, uh, Jorge Polanco has, has had some really great seasons, and then he's really fallen off at times. He's got that ankle thing now. Um, we've seen it with Eddie Rosario. He's not on the team anymore, but he's really streaky. Um, I think they put together enough streak at a good streaky time at, at, at some point in the year to, to be in the playoff mix and, and get a wild card spot. Do they get a win? I, I don't think so. (laughs) I just, I can't, I can't. Yeah. The numbers say, uh, yeah, you know. I don't know if I can give credit to Rocco Baldelli. I like him as a manager. I think he's been really solid, but I'm not willing to give him credit for Nelson Cruz. I think he's been too good for too long to say that this is Rocco Baldelli's doing. Um, I'll keep the Twins train rolling. And my prediction is, I know I touched on, we can't really count on Maeda to be like a Cy Young candidate year in and year out. That's, that's a tough ask. But I think this year Jose Barrios is going to step up. And my prediction is he'll finish top five in the Cy Young race. So... I think, I'll be honest, this is, I would call a pretty uh, bold take because mm-hmm. I think Barrios has kind of been exposed a little bit throughout his like career with the Twins as being an av- a very average pitcher at times, but he's shown flashes of being like excellent, so I'm thinking this year he might be able to put it together. With Barrios, it's always been a second half issue. Like In the first half of seasons, he puts up numbers where he looks like a top five Cy Young pitcher, but then he looks like a triple A pitcher for months at a time during the dog days of summer. So if he strings a full season together, I, there's no reason why he couldn't be top five. All right. And you know what? I have a Twins take too, so let's just round out the whole circle here. So I think the Twins make the playoffs, and I think Royce Lewis is in their starting lineup for playoff game one. I think the Twins don't have a lot of infield depth, and Lewis is by far their top infield prospect. So I think at some point in the season – there's going to be an injury, someone's going to struggle, and they're going to call Royce Lewis up, and he's going to electrify the lineup, and he's going to cement his spot in the starting lineup. So I think game one, Royce Lewis is there, and Lou, I think they're getting a win in the playoffs this year, baby. Number nine, Lucky number 19? Yeah, baby. Oh, baby, I hope so. But I think if Royce Lewis is in the starting lineup there, and something has gone a little bit wrong. I think that's earlier than their timetable, and so if he's there, I think – that is good for my take that they don't make it. All right, that's fair. But I, I, I think I think there's upside in Royce Lewis joining the team early. I think he could provide a nice spark to a a team that could use one. Yeah, I mean he's he's the guy we're waiting for now, right? Or at least that's what he was when when we drafted him. And I know I mean I'm pretty sure his name's what? Kirilov. He yeah. started last year in wasn't it in the playoff game? Yeah, they game brought one. him up a couple games before. Like so, they're not afraid. They're clearly not afraid to do it. Yeah, yeah. It was game three. It was his first uh, first appearance ever. Wasn't he like the first position player ever to make his first career start in the playoffs? I think it, it was something like that. How, how'd that go for us? Well, did he we played well. The Twins did not. Oh, okay, oh, I was just checking. I just want to make sure I got that right. People forget he played well in that game. <laughs> the twins, tough to say, but he played well.
All right, one last time around the table. Some quick takes. Let's do it. Ike, what do you got? Yo, I think the Vikings will not have Kirk Cousins as their quarterback to start 2021 season. Spicy. I would like that. I'm I'm not as much of a Kirk guy as Connor over here. I don't know how Lou feels, but I'm I'm all for it. I'm I've been kind of on the fence as as you guys kind as Connor mentioned. I did a piece on potential quarterbacks that could replace Kirk in the next few seasons here. Um, looking at some of the stats, I don't want to dive too much into it right now, but I'm kind of a I'm towing the line with Kirk. I was used to be just hands down. Nope, get me somebody new. But the thing is, I don't know that there's really a whole. Be- lot better option that we can viably get in the next few seasons yeah i uh i'm kirk cousins guy i think i think it's gonna be hard i could see them drafting a quarterback and like starting to move towards the end of that but i think right now he's the best option and i think they're gonna keep him i think the most important thing is just building the offensive lineup um that that'll be huge as a guy who can't move which is the way the nhl or the nfl is going but the guy that can't move needs a good offensive line. So. Uh, I have uh, one more Vikings take as well. Um, it's kind of dependent if Mike Zimmer is still the coach. I think uh, he gets that defense back to a top 10 performer. Uh, if we get Daniil Hunter back, we've got Anthony Barr back from injury. If we can keep those guys healthy, hopefully Michael Pierce can come off the, uh, the COVID opting out. Um, and he can make a, a contribution on the D-line as well as it just gets our, our rookie corners one more year of experience, one more year under the same coach, one more year under the same system. Um, hopefully, I know Harrison Smith seems like he's had a little bit of a down year. I'm hoping he can he can kind of bounce back as well to really round out the uh, the rest of the defense. Zim's a defensive guy, you know, so I I hope that he can get it back in touch if, uh, if he sticks around because this year – it was ugly. It was not fun <laughs> to watch Camara uh, run for six touchdowns and absolutely destroy the defense. That you know, I as as a former D three athlete, I've I've seen a few defenses that might have given last week's defense a run for its money. So uh, I do believe Zimmer just recently said, <laughs> or at some point this season said, this is the worst defense he's ever had. Yeah, he said that this past week oh, about. So that's yeah. a, I mean, there's, you can only go up from that, right? That's that's. But my hope. how far up? And can I'm you really go? hoping big up. I'm I'm optimistic. I'm a Zim guy. I like him. I like what he does with the defense. I think he can turn it around. Does that motivate you if you're a defensive player to hear that this is the worst defense that your head coach has ever had? I know pro athletes are built different, but to me, I feel like that would just be demoralizing. Like that, I don't even I think that would like motivate s- me. Right. I, I feel like some guys more. would just love that. Be like, all right, I got to get my shit together i gotta fix this and other guys would be like i just don't want to play for a guy who doesn't believe in me i think even more so built different is the defensive nfl player like i think they respond even better to that than a normal even nfl player i guess i'm just soft (laughs) i think this vikings defense conversation is something we can we'll we'll be talking more about in future pods so i would definitely say uh tune back in on that one agreed and i think that's a good spot to leave it for this week so fellas this was fun Thanks to anyone who tuned in, and we'll see you next week. So check out our content on tellemsports.com. Again, that's T-E-L-L-E-M sports.com. See you later. I'll never get those 20 minutes back in my life.